In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Yeah, we are good. You look great, and everything is perfect. Fabulous. Hello. I am so happy to be talking to you. Like, this conversation's long overdue. Um, I'm so happy you agreed to, to come on. Like, you're one of those people, Jim, that, uh, you know, I'm 50, so, like, I feel like you're one of those people that growing up was, like, a staple in my life, right? I turned the television on, and you you guided me along the way, so... A very late and belated thank you, Jim, for all the hard work you've done over the years. Oh, well, God, that's awfully nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and I can't figure this out, Jim. Why am I not putting... And I know you're, you you still do a lot with um, hairspray and stage and theater and all that fun stuff. But I can't figure out for the life of me why I can't turn a television on and see Jim J. Bullock on one of a thousand different avenues. Because you're so talented. You, you, you are... To me, I always thought of you and Robin Williams as the same type of person. Made me laugh. You didn't have oh to fight. Energy, a lot of energy. So, anything you wanted to say to any of that, Jim? Well, that's very, very, very flattering. First off, thank you very much. Uh, Robin Williams was a genius, and uh, to even put anywhere close in his categories uh, is humbling. Uh, uh, yes, we both had. I both Robin and I had so much energy. That's what I had going for me. It was my energy, and so. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I would happily go back and, uh, or do more television. It's just that the offers haven't been coming in. So, you know, what can you do? And I'm sort of semi don't care anymore, retired and like, you know, I'm not going to go out there and change my tail. Yeah, I get that too. I hundred percent get that. I, I want to go into your early life a little bit, right? Because, uh, you're a kid that's born in Wyoming, uh, raised in Texas. You, you end up attending, I think for two years, Oklahoma Baptist. Am I right with that? Yeah. yeah, so talk about that early part of your life, Jim. What kind of kid were you? How did you like Texas? How did you like going to a Baptist school? Like all that fun early stuff. Well, I was a very uh, um, odd kid. I grew up in a very small West Texas town, and I was um, I was just, you know, odd. Yeah. <laughs> One might say queer. But that wasn't <laughs> proper back then, or it was a derogatory term back then. Right. But I just, I just was different from uh, everybody else that I was around me. And uh, then when I started singing, I found out I had a voice because I listened to Jim Neighbors on the Jim Neighbors on Gomer mm. Pyle, and he and he sang, "Oh my papa," and I went, "Oh my god, he can sing!" And then I went. I think, and people would always say, you remind me of Jim Neighbors. And, yeah. and so I started singing in the bathroom and I went, I think I can sing. So anyway, I started singing in church I, and growing up in a Baptist church. I love my upbringing. I wouldn't change any of it. I had a great foundation I, and I still have that great foundation in my life. And I went to Oklahoma Baptist University because I thought I was going to be an evangelistic singer. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Like that, I mean, because it's a it's a unique background to have, right? I mean, 
Um, yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about you too because, like, I think in 2023 we are more of an accepting society. We are certainly not near perfect, but I feel like we are more accepting in 2023 than we were, say, in 1983. Um, oh, so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, like, my question to you is, and I've been dying to ask you this: like, so acting is a tough road to 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 be successful on, and you you did that. Like, that's a very hard road to travel. Never mind being gay in in the 80s, the late 70s. I can't imagine what you, I mean, I don't know what you went through. I guess that's the point of the question. But like, I feel like acting is tough enough to, to pursue. Never mind having to deal with people that are not sensitive to who you are or respectful of who you are. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, did that, did that make it doubly difficult, Jim, for you? Well, you know, I, I didn't come out to myself. Uh, until and I wasn't really honest with myself until my thirties, and gotcha. you know all uh, too close and all that was in when I was in my twenties, and you know I, I just was, I was just going for it, and yes, you had to be very careful. It was a time when, uh, especially when the AIDS epidemic came about and everything, where. It, if you were gay, it would be like, I, I don't even want to associate with you because every, there was so much fear and at that time and paranoia. And uh, so, you know, I tried to keep, <laughs> tried to keep the closet door shut. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, at a certain point, I, you know, I am what I am and it just, uh, everyone knew. And so it's sort of like, just come out with it. And at that point, did I think it was going to hurt my career? I thought, I don't really care. You know, I've got to be honest with who I am and, and, and be real with, with, with my life here. And so has it hurt my career? I don't know. Who's to say? But I've had a great career, and I don't regret any of it. So. No, phenomenal career. And I'm convinced that you drink vampire blood because you don't look like you've aged a day in like since the, you know, since I've seen you um, or on television early on. I have not. My God, Jim! I don't know what your secret is, but Jesus! I'm drinking Christ. blood right now. This is blood, <laughs> and it's damn good. Yeah, and you look damn good. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, you know what? I was I, I, there was a documentary coming out on Rock Hudson, right, and all the difficulties he had to go through. You know, and it's it's amazing. Like once the airlines heard that he was positive, uh, they wouldn't ha allow him to, to to board the planes. You know, Nan there's a rumor that Nan well, there's truth because it's documentary. There's truth that Nancy Reagan even said to her husband, he he is to have no admission to any military hospital. So it's like he had his cross to bear. It was very, very difficult, you know. Mm -hmm. um, talk about your work with HIV, because I think people listening, um, I mean, you you have you've had it, but you have a, a I'll let you explain it because I'm going to mutilate it. But you have a it's not detected. <laughs> I'll let you do the explaining, Jim. OK, well, uh First off, I did see that documentary, and it's really great. It's called yeah. All That Heaven Allows, I think is the name of it. Yes, yes. It was really, really, really good. Uh, my status with HIV uh, was in 1985. I found out I was HIV positive, which was pretty much a death sentence. There was nothing to help you. There was AZT, which was really killing people more than helping them. Uh, and I was terrified. I was I was terrified for that to get out because I thought, you know, the hell with the gay thing, but this HIV thing, if that gets out, you know, because like I said, there was so much, no one knew anything about it. And it was, it was like COVID on, on steroids, you know, we were, 
terrified. People were terrified. And, um, but, you know, I just, I didn't tell anyone. I told only uh, one or two good friends. And, and then, I don't know, I just got over, uh, I got over myself and, and I just went, this, you know, you've got this. And so you just, there's nothing to be done about it. I do have the, I can't even give you the medical descriptions of my cell, but apparently my cell, my cell, uh, there was a door for the, uh, the virus to get in, but there's no door for it to get out. So mm. I have been positive since 1985, which is what? Almost 40 years. Wow. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> and, but I've wow. never had, I've never even come close to having uh, AIDS or anything like that. I only started uh, an antiviral medication about five years ago because I was getting colds a lot. And my doctor said, you don't want to put you in this antiviral and that'll take care of the virus. And then it'll allow your immune system to do what it's supposed to do, which is fight right. out colds. Right. So I've just been super duper fortunate, knock on wood, thank God that uh, I've got this system that they attribute some uh, theories is that it's attributed to Northern Europeans who developed uh, this antibodies against the plague and it's been passed down generation, generation, generation. Right. Okay. Let me ask you. So, so I know, um, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get to um, um, Ted in a second and some of your wonderful work. But <laughs> you know, I, I he had health complications towards the end of Too Close, right? Yeah. And I, tell me if my timeline is right. Is that right around the time that you made the announcement that you were HIV positive? Is that do I is my timeline correct? No, because I never would have told Ted ever. Uh, yeah. my HIV status didn't even come out publicly until like, uh, 95, four, 94, something like that. So I went almost nine years without with keeping it a secret. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, Ted, had he known, uh, he probably wouldn't be, on, wouldn't have been on that show. Yeah. <laughs> he probably would have been, Monroe would have been trying to get onto the facts of life or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, this will be the last thing I say before we hop into a couple entries in your filmography. Uh, you know, the movie that really changed the way I perceive HIV was Philadelphia. I feel like it yeah. really hit, it, it really hit me like, cause that's how I learned is basically from movies, just like how they just the punch, emotional punch they have. Jim, what are your thoughts on straight actors playing gay characters? Cause Tom Hanks obviously made comments like, I don't know if I could have done that today. I couldn't, I don't know if I could have played a gay character uh, just because of, of th the things the way they are uh, in society. What's your take on that? Or, or, how do you view that as an actor? Well, I think it's good we're conscious about it. I think it's really good that, you know, people are thinking about that now. Uh, but you are an actor, you know, and, and whether you're straight or gay, I, I think you're an actor. So, yeah. if you, you know, if I was asked to play a straight role, which we know would not happen in this world. But uh, but if I were, I you know I don't I wouldn't want to get any flack if I did play a straight actor, a, a straight character because I'm gay. So right, it's sort of vice versa too. But I yeah. you know anyway, it is what it is. That's a great answer. It's a, <laughs> it's a very honest answer. You know, I, I knowing we were going to speak, I, I researched a few things, 
And um, I was watching the intro of Too Close for Comfort. I got to oh, tell no. you, I got nostalgic. I got goosebumps. I don't know. It's like it brought me back in time, Jim. I was just a very cozy feeling. I don't know. I, I miss those shows. I miss Too Close for Comfort. I just I miss that time. Um, I, I don't I know. Do, yeah. You know, and I feel like today, like there's a, a if you want to have a show today, there's a million places, a thousand different places, Netflix, Hulu, there's wow. a million. But when you were on a sitcom, you were on one of the big three, which was very, very, very hard to do. Um, just talk about that, Jim, and the idea that, you know, you were on a, a pretty damn big show um, that, that people still are affected by today. Well, it was a, it was a different time. It was such a special time. And you're right. Now there's I can't even I can't. Everyone's always said, oh, my God, you got to watch this. And it's like, don't tell me to watch anything. I don't, <laughs> there, it's like I, I'm going to sit there and watch TV all day long. You know, I have a life, you know, I, but. There's just so many choices. And might I say, I think TV is better today than it's ever been. Unbelievable yeah. shows. Yes, it's so good. The quality is just, just completely gone. But, you know, back in the day when there were three networks, that's how I grew up. I mean, you know, changing channels in Texas, it'd be like ABC, NBC, <laughs> CBS. And that was kind of it. And to be a certain TV's golden age, I feel like, you know, there was... There will never be another time like that again. And to be fortunate enough to be someone who landed a job on one of those shows, the three networks, it was pretty incredible. I'm not I'm not saying it's easier today to get a job in television, but there's just if you can you can be on a series for five years and no one knows anymore. Everyone knew back then. That's what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. Everyone knew. So if you were on a series, it was like, you know. Like half the country knew, but now it's like, no, I've not seen secession. So what's it about? It's like, oh, okay. You know, it's crazy. Well, the math doesn't lie, Jim. I mean, like, so back when, you know, when there was the big three or, or four, I guess you could throw Fox in there eventually. But like, I feel like, you know, I mean, it, the math says it all. Like if there's only, you know, five shows a night that are three shows a night and three networks, it's really hard to get a place there. I mean, and, now there's a million shows, and that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it was a lot harder, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, I think. It, absolutely. And I think it was a shared, it was a water cooler thing, you know? Yeah. So, like, everyone around the water cooler would go, oh, my God, did you see that episode of Cheers last night? And you can be guaranteed that almost everyone in the office did. It's like, we don't have moments like that in our world anymore. Like, you know, I don't want to, you know, but the moon landing, that was a shared event that we all we're seeing it, watching it together at the same time, wherever we were. And 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 I feel like the 70s and 80s of television was sort of that before cable came along. And it, it, like, like I said, half the country would be watching at least one of those three uh, networks. And then, of course, Fox came along. But, you know, it took Fox a while to even get off the ground. But it was ABC, NBC, and CBS there for the longest time. Yeah, so Monroe was supposed to be a character that was supposed to be like a one episode and then, you know, done. What, do you, what, what does this say about your ability that the audience loved him so much? They say, well, we have to bring it back now. Like, what? Like, it's that that's a testament to your ability, Jim. I think that's a huge thing, right? Well, thank you. I, I don't know that it's a testament to what I did. I just think that on that show, Ted really needed, uh, he needed a whipping boy. He needed someone that he could, 
be snarky and mean to. He couldn't be snarky and mean to his wife or his daughters. So we, he bounced, I bounced, we bounced off each other really well. And he told me that. He said, you know, the show needed you. I needed you in this show to make the kind of comedy he wanted to do work. So I don't know that it was anything I did. I mean, it could have been anyone else. I truly do mean that. I'm not being humble going, you know. But I mean, it could have been someone else. But I was, it was fortunate it was me. I had the right ingredients and we baked that cake. Now, would you consider Ted, would you, did you consider him a friend and a mentor? Is that, is that, is that accurate? He was like, he was like a father to me. I mean, I was young. I was a young 24 when I started that show. You know, 24 nowadays is like, yeah, what do you want? (laughs) But now it's like, you know, back then I was so wide eyed and kind of, you know, ignorant and just totally green. And Ted was a huge, uh, wide. It's huge in, in my life and still is. I still hear his voice. And uh, I, I really love that man. Yeah. It, it, you mentioned earlier that uh, if he had found out you were HIV positive, he would have been gone. <laughs> it, 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 was he was he like stern in his ways? Was he old school, maybe leaning towards one? Yeah. 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 I, he was, uh, you know, Ted would, I, I'm sure Ted knew I was gay. I mean, you know, but. You know, he would all, he never said anything. Uh, when I would get too flamboyant, he would go, bring it down a couple of minutes. <laughs> you know, and I knew exactly what he meant. I don't know where that term, bring it down a couple of minutes means, but I knew exactly what he meant. I needed to butch it up. Uh, and, and I think Ted loved me on his level of loving me, being... Uh, a gay man as much as he could. But I do think the HIV thing would have really been a challenge for him. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, like I said, at the time, it would have been a challenge for anyone and was a challenge for everyone. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I didn't realize he was as young as he was when he passed. 62 is young. I mean, that is young. I didn't know he was that young. I'm 68. I am six years beyond what his life, where he, when his life ended. That is insane. That is because he because Ted because Ted looked like he was. I mean, he he's a good looking man, but he looked like he was probably fifteen or ten or fifteen years older than what he was. But like yeah. the fact that he was sixty two is unbelievable. Sixty two. That's so young. So 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 young. Yeah. You know, you're talking about Rock Hudson. He was like fifty seven. Wow, that's right. He was. You know, but those back then it was like sixty was. 60. I remember when my parents turned 60 and it was like, they're going to die soon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, they, they're, they're so old. They're going to die soon. Yeah. And I, I, it's so we, that the 60 is the new 40 and 40 is the new 30. And it, that's so true. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, he was a World War II vet. He was all these things. But, like, yeah, I love his work. And I feel like he never – I mean, he does get enough credit because he was very popular when he was acting. But I feel like he's one of those legends that kind of slips. Like, you're like, oh, because of Caddyshack, people do, you know, another thing, Mary Tyler Moore. But it's just like he was just such a wonderful talent, Jim, you know? Yeah, he was. And he – it was a craft. And he – I've never – sort of like with me, I've never felt like I have – I'm sure I have a craft, but I mean, Ted would go, do you want the left eyebrow up or do you want me to twitch the ear? I mean, it was like, he was like a, a 
marionette puppet. You'd pull a string and that eyebrow would go up or, you know, he could do the hair take. He'd go, I'll give you a hair take there. I mean, he had it. He, he was so fascinating that he Jesus. knew what he did so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. T- tell me this is a rumor, Jim. I, I, I thought I heard this, and I'm going to be embarrassed if it's wrong. Tell me that there was an episode that didn't involve Monroe getting um, sexually assaulted by two females. Did that? Was that a thing? Did that actually happen? Sure, it did. It sure did. It was called. Oh my God! What was the name of that episode? Where Monroe gets raped by two large women, and it was it was a shit storm from the beginning, and it was it was the show. Ted hated the script. It was a miserable week. I just remember kind of just, I just, I don't remember much about it, but it, it was, ABC aired it and then they pulled it and it was pulled from the syndication package. And I guess like they were trying to make it disappear. I mean, it was so improper. It was so wrong on Ooh. so many different, so many different levels. And it's actually been resurfaced now. You can probably see it out there. Monroe, Monroe, Monroe. I don't know. I, I yeah. can't remember the name of it. But um, oh yeah, it's real. <laughs> it's yeah. real. My my last my last two close question is this. Um, so because of your popularity on the show, do you feel like you were I don't want to say resented by the cast, but when they see somebody that wasn't there perhaps from the start, but like is now like the fans love him. Um, was there any resentment, anything like along those lines that you had to deal with in your journey? No, no. Okay. Lydia, Deborah, Nancy, uh, Audrey Meadows, everyone was, could not have been, we were a real family and there was no, no resentment at all. If anything, I resented the fact that I was laid off. I was left off two TV Guide covers <laughs> because the show made two covers of TV Guide. You know, TV Guide was a big thing back then. And another thing that's, yeah, another thing that's, that was huge. Yeah, that was a big deal. Another thing that's gone. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't on either cover and it was like, oh, shit. That sucks. You know, and, and Lydia, I don't, th- I don't think Lydia goes an interview without telling people how much she was in love with you. Oh, my God. She I says it, she, was. <laughs> she says it Every time she's interviewed, every time, you know, well, but she's a, she's a sweetheart. Like I said, we were, we were all so young and stupid back then. I mean, I guess she did have a kind of crush on me and I was oblivious. I was very much like Monroe. I really, Monroe was sort of channeling or I was vice versa. I was just kind of innocent and kind of dumb, uh, but not dumb in real life, but just, it was so natural for me to play that. But there's an innocence with Monroe that was a breath of fresh air. Like when he came on the screen, you were like, "All right," like, I, like you know, what I'm saying, like you could feel it as as an audience member that you were like, you were happy that because a lot of those shows in the 80s and 70s, it was all like these tight ass like characters, and he Monroe just brought something different. He was just kind of a breath of fresh air. That's why I loved him. I don't know. There was nothing like him. Thank you. I yeah. I, I get a lot of comp and have gotten a, a lot of compliments over the years that people were like. They loved it that when that door would open and, and Monroe would walk through, and it's like, wow, well, that's so that's so nice. I am remembered still, and that is um, means a great deal to me. Yeah. So last night I was watching a couple episodes of when Neil Tanner met Alf. What was what? What's your take on Alf? I thought I read somewhere where you were not thrilled with Alf. Um, again, yeah. I, what, what's your take, Jim? Anything you wanted to say? 
You watched Neil Tanner. You watched me on Al. I watched I watched the episode where they were really reserved about letting Neil meet Alf. So Alf hid in the kitchen, and then he was like, "You got up and you said, okay, where's this Alf? He was he wasn't coming out of his hiding, and he, and you pretended to shake a, a, a invisible person's hand. Nice to meet you, Alf. Um, yeah, it was it was it was wow. we first. It's when your character first meets Alf. I I watched that whole episode. Well, I it's been so long since I've seen that, and uh, so. Number one, I don't think they wanted to cast me. They cast me, but I felt like they cast me, and then they were trying to change me from that moment on, oh, and, and, so and, and 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 weren't happy with what I brought. And I had just come off Hollywood Squares, and Hollywood Squares was an absolute party, a joy to go to work like four days a month, every other weekend, and get to meet all these stars and play tic-tac-toe and make a great living and just enjoying every second of that and then going from that to out and the it was a miserable set and it was not on any studio lot it was in some warehouse in culver city and so it wasn't even like you could walk out of the studio and be among other shows that were being shot at the same time it was everyone was very unhappy I just remember everyone was unhappy and I just had such a joyous ride up into that point. Yeah, that sucks. Cause Hollywood squares, like you said, like if there's a gig that any actor wanted, that was the oh. gig. I mean, I mean, that was a lot of fun. Is it just me, Jim, or you, or you and Joan Rivers, do your paths cross a lot in life? You and Joan Rivers. I feel like whether it's uh space balls or Hollywood squares, or you were even on her show at one point, like did you have a lot of interaction with Joan? I did. I really loved Joan. She was a good friend to me. And, and she sort of, again, took me under her wing. She got me signed with her manager, the big hoity toity, you know, wow, big time manager. And she just, uh, she was there for me. And she was lovely. She would have me at her home. I, you know, I got to, I went to a dinner party at Joan Rivers' house with me, Vincent Price, uh, Pee-wee Herman, what is his name? Uh, uh, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Uh, so, it's so awful because I hate that when people go, that Monroe guy, that Monroe guy. It's Jim J. Bullock. But, yeah. you know, now I'm doing that to... It's Paul... Some, I, 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 I'll Paul Rubens. Paul, Paul Rubens. Ruben. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So is <laughs> Vincent Price, his wife, uh, Paul Rubens, me, and Joan Rivers. Wow. How great is that? <laughs> it was just... Where am I? You know, how awesome but, of a dinner is that in itself could be a show, Jim. That dinner, I mean, that's no, it was, it was fantastic. You know, Vincent Price was so dignified and so, you know, uh, Vincent Price, and then his wife, a fabulous woman, but she cuts like a sailor. And it was like every, <laughs> you know, just all evening long. And, and Paul Rubens was very withdrawn. And here I am, just so giantly gay. And Joan Rivers was, you know, so calm. She was calm in the storm. She was at her home. She was not going to sing and dance for people. Like, you're in my home. This is my life. And you guys, I'm so glad you're here. But she wasn't up there going, you know, telling her jokes. She is one of the greatest stand-up comedians that has ever lived. She's in top five, top ten. People always leave her off the list. That's a mistake because she's one of the greatest of all time. 
She is. She She's... was genuinely, genuinely funny. I just saw a rerun of her on the Carson show. Yeah, I know it's it's uh, on the the documentary with uh, um, Rock Hudson. That's right. There's a, yeah, clip, yeah. There's a clip from uh, when she was hosting the Tonight Show, and uh, anyway, genuinely, really funny woman. I'm yeah, so I mean, lucky I got to know her. Yeah, there was. I was watching a clip of you were on her show. And you were having such a good time. You had taken gum out of your mouth and you had thrown it. And you were next to John Davidson. Uh, yeah. Yes. John Davidson didn't know what to do. Like, he was like, what do I do? Like, you were so awesome. The audience, you had the audience in the palm of your hand when you were on that show. What a, what a great, mem- what a great memory that was. Her show, you know, I did it so many times. And, and it's the first time I ever said on, on, in public on television that I was gay. It just fell out of my mouth. You know, and I just that's sort of right. Went, you did say that you I, said you said, said queer, yeah, yeah. And I said, Did I just come out? And she goes, I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but and then that that episode you're talking about with John Davison, it was it was actually it was a Hollywood Squares reunion, so it was oh, John man. Davison, uh, Rick Rosner, who was the executive producer of Hollywood Squares, you know, he created Chips, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then Shadow Stevens. And me. And so she had us on her show. And, and I was going for a really bad time. Dry. Very dry. I had not worked. It's like 93 or something. I had not worked. And so I was losing everything, you know, because I'd never been good with money. So I had this big house in the Hollywood Hills that I was actually in foreclosure. But I come out, out on her show and she says to she says to Rick Roger, Rick, What's next for Rick Roger? And he goes, oh, I've got a new show on ABC coming up. And and, and uh, Shadow Stevens, oh, I've got this on CBS. It'll be starting. And John Davidson, how about you? And I've got the Branson, Missouri, John Davidson Theater. Come see me. And Jim J. Bullock, what's next for you? And I went, foreclosure. <laughs> it was That's one of awesome. the most real, funny, honest moments. And it was just cheap. But let me tell you. Joan Rivers on the commercial break, she she leaned over to me. She goes, do you need anything? And I just felt that was so sweet of her yeah. to even make that offer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know your responsibility. You don't have to help me, you know? So I got yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. And you were in Spaceballs together, correct? We were, but I, yeah. I never was. I don't. I don't think we were ever shooting together. We were separate. Maybe at the wedding. At the wedding, she was probably probably at the wedding. But I think it was just her voice in that robot. She wasn't in that. No, robot. no. Was, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was. It, 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 it was. But you know, um, that seemed like a really fun role for you. Um, Spaceballs, iconic Prince Valium. Uh, I have it on the screen right now for those for those that you know. This is not live, but when it comes yeah. out, they'll see it. Um, Talk about that. What a, what a, I mean, it's, it's just a really funny, awesome scene, right? One of the, one of the highlights wow. of the movie. You know, I went over, my agent sent me over and I actually went and I met Mel Brooks in his, in his office at MGM. And, and I was so nervous. So I was so scared and he, I went in his office and, and I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't sit down. It was, it really was like, like I was on drugs. But I wasn't on drugs. Right, but I right. just my energy, I was out of control. And he said, uh, yeah, can you can you read this? And so I was like, uh, uh, and I wow. And, oh my God. And I just kept screwing up and kept screwing up and, and 
And, you, and finally he went, you know what, kid? I don't know what you do, but you got, you got this job. But I don't know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I got Prince Valium. And, you know, all I do is really yawn. I think I had like maybe a total of 10 lines where it's like, come back. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But wow, if you're going to, I've done other movies, but boy, not a lot. But if, the, if, if you're going to get to do a movie and it become cult classic like Spaceball, that again was, wow, what a blessing that was. And another great TV dad, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dick Van Patten. Dick Van Patten. Dick Van Patten. I don't Dick know why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Dick Van That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but he was uh, like, he was one of the, and I bet you when he shot that movie, he was probably like 50. And he looked like he was like older, I you know? know? I know. I, was he even 50? I mean, he probably was in his 40s. But I don't know. Yeah. That was like 1986. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we when we, when we, people talk about Spaceballs, like, is it because I, I was watching something earlier? You were on a, like a Comic Con, a Wizard World type thing. Um, I, you're the perfect personality to go to a Comic Con, interact with fans. I feel like you're a perfect guest for that. Is that something you'd be interested in? Well, yeah. You mean for Spaceballs? No, I mean for just Spaceballs, <laughs> Spaceballs, or any of your body work. Like, Spaceballs is an iconic, like, that's a movie that, that I mean, you see posters from Spaceballs or. Uh, memorabilia at comic cons all the time like i go to a lot of them and it's it's a lot of the stuff that you've been in and i don't know i feel like you have the perfect personality to 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 be at a comic con well i've done uh the conventions where you 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 sign and i've been i've been packaged with lydia and deborah and nancy once we all were packaged together and i do have fun at those but i've never been a part of a com comic con but i i hear they're amazing but Oh yeah, I I I love interacting with people. And I yeah, I I have fun at those things. Yeah, and, and, and uh, two quick questions. Thank you for all this time. You are so kind to give me this. Um, well, you're uh, so kind to give me this. Yeah. Uh, uh, fun fact here that I learned from you in another interview: Brad Pitt was on Hollywood Squares. Oh yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Oh yeah. Well, he wasn't Brad Pitt then. I mean, no, no, was, I got it. Yeah, yeah. He was just starting. He was just yeah. I think that movie, A River Runs Through It, with Robert Redford, was what really launched him in. This is before Selma and Louise. Uh, so he wasn't huge yet. But yes, Brad Pitt was on there. There were so many people that came on Hollywood Squares. I mean, uh, and, and classic, you know, Milton Berle and people like that. It's like, Jaja, <laughs> Jaja. <laughs> Oh my God! I had some great memories of of that time. And she's such a smart person. She had people thinking she was not. She was a very bright person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, not that people thought she wasn't bright, but she's just a very dynamic personality. Uh, is there a story you think of when you think of Hollywood Squares? Because it did sound like such a fun time. Is there a particular story that that you always think about when you think when you reflect upon that? Like, is there is there any stories that you're like? Mm, that's you know there's there's many what one of my favorites and to show you how sweet john davison is uh we were shooting at radio city music hall my god we were in radio city music hall for two weeks packed 
packed Radio City Music Hall. People were, were waiting down the block in New York to come see the show, wow. and they and they blew it out. You know, they had they gave away Lincolns and Cadillacs, and it's like you know it was a fabulous time. And in the studio here in in, in Hollywood, um, I would always you know I would say to John Davis and jokingly go, "You're an idiot." You know, I was always saying, "You're an idiot." And he never, ever blinked, never cared. Here we are at Radio City Music Hall. And I dropped the idiot word a couple of times. And it's like later that day, knock, knock, knock on my door. And it's John Davison. And he says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And he says, you know, I love you. And I love your humor. And I would never, ever, ever want to do anything to cap your hysterical brain. But he said, could you? Just please not call me an idiot in front of 6,000 people. <laughs> oh, what a sweet moment. And I mean, he must. And I said, oh, my God, I just hugged him. I said, of course I won't call you an idiot, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I didn't, I didn't call him an idiot anymore that, until we got back to Universal. Then it was all back on. Yeah, but he didn't, yeah. He didn't care. But he, it was just, I think, in front of oh, that many people. He was like, it. it a little hit too close to the bone or something. You, maybe. you were telling a story on another interview and it was a bad experience you had. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Milton Burl where it was the pie in the face idea. They, they wanted you to come down and it, it, yeah. it was like the audience just did not want it, but they kind of made you do it, you know? Yeah. He, he was, uh, you know, they, at, at the dinner break, they put me and Milton Burrell together and, and, and they're talking to us about this bit that they've got. It's going to be so funny. And Milton's uh, going to have a pie in his square. He's center square. And I was the upper right-hand square. And he's going to have this pie. His question is going to be about a pie. So he's got this cream pie in his hand. And uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to like crawl down the squares and go into his square, and they weren't big squares, you know. They were they were like four feet by four feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I I, I came down like a monkey into his square and was behind him, and they wanted me to just gush, going, "Oh, Mister Television! Oh my God, I grew up with you!" And I was just going on and on and on, sappy, sappy, sappy. And then he has the pie, does the take of the camera, and goes in my face. Yeah. And uh, he was not real nice about it. And it just kind of didn't work. It fell flat on his face, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had to go back up to my square. And they didn't call cut so I could get the cream out of my shirt. <laughs> I mean, whipped cream all down my shirt, everything. So I sat through the rest of the show with this sticky pie on me. Jesus. Um, I, I have a, I had a um, friend that told me to ask you, because um, you knew we were speaking today, about Queer Duck and um, how that might have <laughs> helped, helped some people's lives. So I, he, he told me to ask you that question, and I, I, I have to ask. Well, I don't know if it helped people's lives, but it sure was funny. And yeah. uh, Mike Reese was the creator of Queer Duck, who worked in Simpsons and many, many, many things. But uh, And I was I was the gay duck. Um, it was about this gay duck and his friends, openly, openly gay polar bear and Oscar Wildcat and all these, all these crazy cartoon characters. And it was just a short little, like a five minute vignette. So we're on Showtime, 
and they became kind of a hit. RuPaul played my straight brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a great, uh, great cast, great cast. We had so much fun. I don't know if it changed people's lives, but it sure was funny, and it sure made you laugh about a lot of things that people were having a hard time laughing about that time. And laughter is always good. And being yeah. able to laugh, laugh at things and laugh at ourselves, oh, my God, we need that more than ever right now. More than ever. I will end with this. Um, anything you wanted to say about Tammy Faye, the, the relationship you had, the show? Um, oh. I, it, it was uh, whatever you wanted to say, Jim. That's a whole nother. 30 or 40 minutes right there. <laughs> Tammy was, was it, she was, what a crazy, surreal experience it was getting to work with her and getting to know her and getting to love her. Yeah. Uh, that show was uh, just an unbelievable thing that happened. And uh, it was heartbreaking because we all, I mean, everyone down to the runner. Uh, believed in this show so much and we just knew it was going to hit we just knew it was but it didn't hit unfortunately and she got cancer and had to leave the show mm. and uh, they replaced her with a lovely woman named Ann, Ann Abernathy but it just lost its fizzle it was a different rapport I, I was watching episodes of each you with Tammy you with Ann and, and you were awesome, but I felt like the connection with Tammy was a much. It was much more fluid. It was a lot. You could tell you guys had a had a connection because you never knew what she was going to do. You really didn't know what she That's was right. going to do. And it was walking. It was walking a type wire rope without a, a, a net. I mean, you really didn't know what direction she was going to go in. But it was. It usually always worked out. But she would keep you on your toes. And when Anne came in, she was so professional and so you know. Yeah. It, it just it lost. It lost something. I was watching. Was, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. I just, I'm so, I'm so happy I had that time to, to, to do that and to get to work with her. What a, what a, what an amazing woman she was. She really was. I was watching um, her last TV appearance on Larry King, and, and I was, I, I had tears, I had tears down my face. Like, here's a woman who's always been a decent, good person who always was on the ass end of jokes, but was still kind to people. Like, I don't know, I just. I, I, she was just a really solid human being that didn't deserve a fraction of the stuff she was getting. I don't know. That, that's that's my take on that. Kind. Kind is a really good word to capitalize yeah. uh, Tammy. Yeah. She was, yeah. She was kind. Well, you, speaking of kind, you are kind, sir. And thank you for all this. Like, I am such a big fan. And I know a lot of people say it, but I really am. And thank you for your work. And when you, when you said you were going to come on, I pumped my fist. I gave my wife a high five, and I was like, I, I've been wanting to talk to him forever. I'm, I'm not kidding, Jim. Like, I feel like you belong. Like, something, like, you're way too talented. Your sense, your your comedic sense is is awesome. Like, there are people that try to be funny, and I watch them on TV. It's just like, it falls flat. Like, you don't have that issue. Like, you are genuinely funny. Like, you're like a spark plug. You don't, you're not a try hard. You're, you're just naturally, you get the pulse of the room. I, there's, I, I don't know how. I should be able to watch you anytime on TV. And I guess it pisses me off, Jim, because I, I, I was going off. My wife was like, well, you shut up already. I'm like, well, I'm just going to tell her. But I don't know. You're super talented, man. I, 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 and I know you're still doing work and, you know, hairspray and, and all that wonderful things, all the stuff. But I don't know. I just feel like I want to see you on television again and movies. Well, it ain't over until it's over, you know. So uh, I, I'm who knows? There might be a, a third or fourth or fifth act. Of course, up, you know? Abs Hey, listen to me. If if, if uh, Pacino can have kids at eighty four years old, 
Uh, Jim can be back. <laughs> Jim can be back on, on television. Give me a break. But no, I that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, Jim, thank you for this. I will send you a copy when it's done, and have yourself a wonderful day. Uh, thank you so much, Derek. I appreciate being on your show. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. All episodes available, www.mmcpodcast.com.